What's up, Daw Nation? My name's Wyatt Troy, and welcome to episode 35.5 of Behind the Daw, where we usually interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level. But as you noticed, this is a .5 episode. And in these kind of episodes, we take the audio from our YouTube series, In the Daw, and we put it in a podcast form so you can listen to it on the go and get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge. So for 35.5, we have Trivecta. And you know, for those of you who are Trivecta fans, we've had him on the show multiple times. We've had him on Behind the Daw once. We've had him on In the Daw. This is the third time that we've had him on. But he's breaking down for the first time his song. Not his remix, but his song. He's breaking down Axis. Just came out on Monster Cat. It's absolutely amazing. If you haven't go checked it out, I'd highly encourage you to go check that out. But you know, in this episode, we're going to talk about like melodic dubstep, the composition of that, mastering. We're going to talk about bass design. We're going to talk about unique sound design techniques. You know, uh, I've been talking about this in the last couple episodes, but we made this course with AU5 and it's about Ableton sound design, getting crazy sound design techniques uh, using only Ableton devices. It's not out yet maybe by the time you listen to it it could be out go ahead and head over to in the daw.net and you'll see if it's out we take techniques that we've learned from au5 and we tell trivecta to try them and he does it in real time so we're going to go over that we're going to check that out so if you really like this episode it's really helping you on your journey go ahead and go over to whatever your favorite streaming platform is whether it's spotify itunes soundcloud um what else is there deezer google play wherever wherever you love to partake of this subscribe or follow leave a review a comment ask questions anything that you do like that is going to help us out it's going to help us keep going with this and on top of all of this if this is really helping you along your musical journey please consider heading over to the in the dot and behind the dot patreon there's a bunch of benefits over there and it helps us keep going with these podcasts and with these youtube videos so that we can keep bringing the most value to you while sustaining ourselves and sustaining our family so that we can dedicate the proper time and the proper energy to bring these to you. So without further ado, here's Trivecta. Welcome everyone to this week of In the Daw. For the third time, we have the lovely Sam Dobkin, also known as Trivecta. How you doing, man? Good, good, good. So good to have you. I see that you've grown a pair of glasses. That's lovely. How long oh. have you had them? Oh, dude, yeah, I've had these for like years. I, 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 yeah, I wear them all the time. I guess I just didn't wear them for the last ones. That's so fantastic, dude. What's been up since the last time you've been on the show? Not, not much. Just making a lot of music and um and and, and playing shows. I, I did a a, a run for a. With Kill the Noise in different little spots around the country. And um, I actually just got back from Red Rocks doing the whole thing with the Elenium band and um, did a set there and uh, spent a week up there rehearsing and getting to know everybody. Uh, you know, all, the whole, all, all, all that whole sort of, most of that scene was all kind of in Denver for last week. It was really magical. It was really cool. Got to give two shout outs to our two sponsors this week. First off is East West. And here is a recorded sponsorship from them. This episode of In the Daw is sponsored by East West who was kind enough to send over their Hollywood choir section. But because I'm actually transferring computers right now, don't have it installed, can't show you, but there's a very special deal that I want to show you. But first off, let's check out some of their products. Their products are some of the best in the world. So we're going to come over here. We're going to go to products. Look at all these things. They got vocals, guitar and bass, pianos, brass. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. This thing is used in probably every single movie you've ever seen ever. They're very, very high quality. I can't speak highly enough 
about East West and their products. I mean, even look at this. So this, this Hollywood choirs one is the one they sent over. So if we actually click on this, you're going to see how much this is. It's originally a thousand dollars. Even five, it is 50% off. That's still so much. Why? How can this happen? Why? How could you reasonably suggest that us producers who don't have a lot of money pay for this kind of stuff? Well, that's where I got you. So if we come down over here, now what is this? The Composer Cloud. And actually, if we go back to the home screen, you can see more about it. So the Composer Cloud is basically their Spotify-ish subscription service. So basically, you know, they have all these products constantly updating uh, some of the highest quality in the world. All you have to do is sign up for that, which is $25 a month, and you get access to all of them. Every single one up front. You know what's even better than that? Scored a little deal with them. And you can have it for 15 days for free to so try it out to see if it's really really amazing you don't have to spend 25 bucks to find out if you want it all right you get two weeks plus a day that's freaking amazing if you're interested in hopping on this offer it's for a very limited time go ahead and click the link in the description and talk to our DAW bot and he'll get you all set up put you in the right place so that you can get the composer cloud x for free for 15 days and then finally the show is brought to you by you guys, you guys, you guys are the patrons. You you come, you provide money for us so that we can keep doing this, so that we can keep bringing people like Trivecta on for the third time and just to bring as much value as you guys can. So if you guys wanna be a part of the Patreon, there is so many, so many things that could be of value to you guys. So go ahead, the link is in the description. What questions you got for us, Sam, before we get started? I don't have as many questions as much as I have a funny story about the Zoom thing is that uh, Willie, Willie, you know Willie, he uses Zoom a lot and we did a Zoom session where we're working on a collab and uh, and he had to go to a meeting and I was like, dude, bummer, I want to work on the part of the song that you have the project file for. And I would like walk you through what I'm thinking here. Like I have some cool ideas or I would at least bounce my ideas off you and see what you got here. But we were, he had to go to some meeting. So he, he we learned how to do the screen control thing and then he went, he left. And so basically just left me in control of his, uh, his, his computer. And he even shut the door and like kept his cats in the room. So I would get like the full wooly experience. So I'd like get like the cats walking on the keyboard. And it was too hard because the keyboard shortcuts wouldn't work though. I'd try like a keyboard shortcut and it would like load like Chrome or something yeah. and pull up his <laughs> Facebook messages. You know, I was just, I was just trying to, you know, undo. So how long did you do that for? I probably spent about 45 minutes before I said this is getting too tedious and I, and I, and I noped on out of there. What I can tell you is, um, is I can tell you where the idea for this tune came from because this is one that definitely had a distinct idea behind it. So I'm in the sort of melodic bass niche, right? And I venture out, but that's where kind of where we sit here. And I feel like there's been certain ways of doing melodic bass music. I mean, I think a lot of melodic bass music came from combining more melodic styles of electronic music like trance and with dubstep bass, uh, you know, or things like that, trap, right? And you put them together. And I feel like the formula has stayed pretty similar for a long time. Like, and I'm guilty as anybody. I like hammered on that same form to an extent of, 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 of a certain way. Okay, we're going to do big trancey pads on the drop and then we're going to stick a bass wub in between and keep the drum groove and tempo like a dubstep song, right? And, um, and you know, I have like trancey-ish breakdown and things like that. And with this one, I tried to kind of flip it on its head a little bit and tried to uh, 
it, a lot of it came from working with with Wooly and 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 playing shows with Kill the Noise and playing dubstep shows uh, for dubstep crowds and being like, okay, I would I need to put some of these heavy. I was putting heavier songs in my sets to kind of offset my own material because I was playing for heavier crowds and I was working with Wooly and I was seeing what he was doing with Serum and I started watching these videos, of guys like Company and Tynan and these guys who were so good with Serum and I was new with Serum, so I was just like watching these videos, trying and I come up with something that sounds like somebody. I'm trying to make this huge bass and it sounds like somebody like scratching an eraser on like a table. You know, it's like, it sounds like flimsy, but I would keep doing it and keep hammering away. And then I started thinking, okay, could I combine like some of these trancey elements with dubstep elements in a different way? Could I maybe... I've spent all this time learning how to do it coming from the angle of the melodic guy making like heavier music. Maybe I should learn a little bit about making heavier music, like bass wubs and getting this drum sound like like the like the dubstep guys are doing and things like that because it's it, it pops. And then make a foundation like that and then bring in the melodic elements, which is something I never really do. And I feel like a lot of melodic bass guys come from the angle I was coming before, you know, doing melodic and adding bassy elements. And and that's kind of where this came from, was kind of flipping that on its head and trying to create something that had the headbanging structure of something that is primarily focused on bass webs and almost that Britom kind of kick under the snare thing that comes in halfway through, but offsetting the ends of the phrases with super melodic elements. That's that's kind of where the idea came from there. Well, try back to episode one. It's all of our anniversary with this because you were the first person and we started it. It's been a year now, so... Thank you, man. That's what I'm talking about. Mr. Plyer, what do you got for us? Well, one of the many things I really liked about the drop was the the contrast between, because it kind of comes in in like waves almost, like it hits you, then there's a gap, and then it hits you, then there's a gap. But it was really nice, that contrast between everything happening and then it all sort of disappearing briefly. But it doesn't all disappear. So is there, like, how did you kind of control that? Did you cut the reverb on some layers and then keep the reverb on other layers or...? Dude, let's check it out. That was a uh, yeah. That was kind of neat. I was really trying to go for some open space there, and really, and I think that, that those little silent spots can really help create a pocket. You know, it can get kind of dry in a recording, but uh, when you play it live, I think it it fills that space naturally. Just the you know natural room ambience and things like that. So you're talking about. those little spots yeah it's, it's, a, it's a really perfect it's almost like like tight is almost the best word I, I yes yeah, for, for the record i'm using i don't know if you can, i guess you can't tell i'm using a slate touch screen thing here so you might see my hand going all the way up and down it's kind of neat what it's a, you're touching yeah. the screen right now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm like uh, yeah 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 my hand I, I don't know how i can show you because you're like looking at me but yeah i'm like <laughs> yeah that's so cool you can see here those guys were chopped to audio this guy was a little disorganized here maybe i had it oh yeah so you go into like leads yeah everything was all audio and some of these guys are a little more reverbed but a lot of it is pretty tight up close and it just creates that sound and and and, and like for example I actually have the send of reverb itself, so I could just mix that audio. I bounced it out to audio because it was really tough to control that part without it sounding really messy. And I wanted it, I wanted it to be as clean as the bass webs were. You know, bass webs you can just cut the audio. Pads become these big layers and leads become these layers, and you need to really kind of like consolidate them to chop them like that. And that was the idea behind that. Yeah. So are some of those layers going out to reverb sends as well. Did you say? Um, so this is like an actual, this became sort of a send track in itself. Uh, it sort of, I, I sort of, um, if, if I recall, I think I just put a reverb on the entire bus and bounced that guy out to audio so I could just control that 
and then just literally look at this like you can see right there like this guy right here that is that's that's just reverb right there but you put them with you know with all this stuff here and if i were to drag this guy out but it wouldn't sound as tight Actually, it sounds kind of dope, but <laughs> but yeah, that was that. The idea was to be able to have that to, to chop that that up. So, and I don't actually, to be honest with you, I don't mess with the sends too much. I I, I just kind of do it. A lot of times, I'll just reverb the actual track and just cut it uh, and just bounce it to audio and cut that. But this time, I think. This time I actually already made the lead and, and liked how it sounded in there, but then thought I wanted it more wet, but wanted to be able to control that reverb as well. So I just put it, duplicated it, put reverb on the whole thing, made that audio and had it to chop. So dope. I want to know about the touchscreen, dude. How is it? It's it's neat. Um, it's the Slate Raven is the name of it. And um, and I got it simply because I spent so much time producing that and using the same motions that like my hands have a little bit of tingle going on right now. And that's not good. And I, you know, 28 years old, I can't be having the this early, you know, you know what I'm totally. saying? We can't be letting this get out of hand. <laughs> Unintended. <laughs> right. So, uh, so the idea is that I got this thing so I could actually physically just reach out and touch things instead of always just clicking on the mouse and sort of diversify my workflow a little bit. It's, it's, I still get a little tingle. I still am, but it definitely helps things a good bit. It's not always as accurate for micro editing and things like that, but there are these crazy things it does called like batch commands. I haven't gotten the hang of yet. So I'll radio back to you once I've tried this. Do you feel like it's slowed down your workflow at all because you have to like reach up and yeah, at, at first, but uh, the thing is, it, I don't have to, and that's what makes it neat. Um, it has, in a way, if I just stick straight to it, it'll slow me down a little bit. I think those batch commands, when, when you get the hang of it, I think it's supposed to speed everything up, because um, you can just like do one gesture or something, and it just does a bunch of things that you would normally always do. Um, so I think that would speed it up once I get the hang of it. But yeah, so when I'm trying to do things really quickly, I'll just grab the mouse and go to town. The beginning bass and the intro. Yeah, yeah. You know, what is it? What's going on? I love it. Yeah, that was actually um. If I, I believe, oh, I don't know if I still, I don't think I still have the patch. Let me see if I have it. So, so when I realized I wanted to make a track that was kind of like um, sort of looking for coming from the world of more bass music, dubstep stuff, and introducing melodic elements. That's where I realized, all right, I spent a lot of time learning serum because I'm like a hack at serum. That was actually a serum patch, and it was like, I think it's audio now. Yeah, start bass. It's this guy here. And ugh, I don't think I still have that patch. I don't even remember what I did. I see these other ones you guys do, and the guys have their patches still there, and they pull out the patches. And my workflow, I end up with so many tracks that I have to like make everything audio so I don't never have even frozen. Because I was watching all these company videos of watching him use serum, and that's how I learned how to do it. What I probably did was just take one of those sounds that I got when when trying to sort of mimic some of his bass sounds, and then just reverbed it out and put some shimmer on it and stuff. But what really helps with that guy is that he um, there's more than just him. So this is without him. Is that? So he sounds cool by himself. But 
the little little bits of ambience around it really helps kind of cradle it nicely, I think, and you know, sort of create a little world around it. Though it would have been it would have been some serum with some distortion and um and some Valhalla shimmer on top. Of it. Yeah. So again, another question about the the drops. So I think if I was hearing it correctly, do you almost have almost like a call and response with the main synth and then like a reverb thing in the background afterwards later on? Adam, are you talking about so like? on the one, the bass hits, and then on the offbeat, there's like a variation of that bass hit and it sounds like there's more reverbs that what you're talking about. There's also this this half where, where I... Which is your typical kind of harmonize that guy higher and and, and, and and sort of make it feel like it's building. I try to get, that's something Wooly does real well, get that kick drum under the snare drum and get it really kind of pulsing like that. It's hard to mix that properly, but yeah. And I, and I have this reverb kind of bass in there too. Now I think he ended up as audio too, wasn't he? Yeah, this guy's pretty neat. The yo man. That's a trick I learned from, from Wooly and company. I guess every dubstep guy knows that one. Oh, yeah, I, oh, yeah. I've been sleeping on that trick but somewhere else. And this transient thing helps a lot. Do you just pretty much do it by ear? Like, like what layers play what notes? Or do you almost plan it in advance and then pick the sounds afterwards? Um, I actually, for that one, when it comes to the actual bass wubs themselves, I typically try to stick to just root notes. But I actually came up with that melody. How did I come up with that melody? I, I, I've been listening to like a lot of trance music and stuff like that. Jason Ross, Above and Beyond, that kind of stuff. And um, I guess, I don't know, there are people who love trance music who would call me an idiot for saying that that's trance. But I've listened to that type of music and I love it, right? So I'm listening to that and I'm trying to combine some of those elements. And melodically, um, I did that. So th this whole thing is based off the kind of Dorian mode, which uh, for, for any viewers who are watching this who aren't really hip to that, it's kind of like your minor scale, but it has a raised sixth degree in it. Uh, so it means the sixth note, the scale is one step higher one 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 semitone higher and it the interesting thing about the dorian mode is it when i played in like a funk band we always kind of said like the dorian mode is the way to keep things dark and minor but still keep the party going you know and and and, and in, in 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 edm the dorian can kind of that mode can kind of keep things dark but also keep them kind of trancy and vibey as opposed to like sad and like abysmal you know <laughs> yeah for lack of bed not not i mean it's all about what you do with your chords and your things like that but but for this i was trying to do something that had that kind of thing and and i think um dude i noticed a lot of these these dubstep drops would have these call and response formats and i thought all right can i do something that has something melodic that instead of just call and response between two different bass wubs i'll make it a call and response between a bass wub and a melody and so that's when i pulled out the guitar and went yeah, no, 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 no. Da, 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 da. and then the second time it's got to be response no, 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 no. they kind of kind of talk to each other you know on the downbeat that main that main bass wub and then you have your 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 response one that, that comes like on the next eighth note or whatever right the more reverby one so is is the main bass wub is that playing the root note and then the next one is playing a variation of it uh yeah i think that was all Yeah, so your main guy, that that was all pretty much what I recall. At least it's all, it's all trying to be the main root note, but Serum, you know, when you start doing that 
FMing and stuff like that, you'll start to get actually different notes out of the bass. But um, but there, so that's that creates all these kind of neat little timbres, and it can make it almost feel like your melody is ascending rather than just being the same note. But um, but that's kind of what that is, and that stressed me out like crazy, man. I tried so many. So you have your downbeats and your upbeats, right? So you, without your upbeats. And I was actually listening, everybody's listening to that guy, 1788L, that everybody's jumping onto. And I was trying to like, and, and I was listening and starting to, trying to kind of see what was, what I liked about it that was kind of fresh about it. And, and it was that bass sound. And I, and I kind of failed when making a bass sound uh, that was kind of like that. And I think it was ultimately longer than that. No, I, I ended up shortening it for this. It's all reverb now. But I ended up with a sort of upbeat sound that was the same note, but a totally different timbre of bass. And I had a bunch of different bass sounds bounced out that I had made, and I was just trying to, you know, repurpose them. And it kind of needed... Dude, I had one that sounded whack. Here, I'll see if I can find it for you. Oh, dude, it sounded really whack. I was calling this track White Terror's Brother for a while because I made a track called White Terror that I never finished, or that I renamed. And then this one was based with the same template. So I think it's probably called White Terror's Brother. Yeah, yeah, let me see. trying to learn serum and at the time i was like this is pretty sweet and then <laughs> and then i took a break and came back and i even played a show or two with that sound dude realistically if i spent another month on it i would probably have something better uh than even what i currently have and and i was even talking to john at monster cat and and i think he sent it to, to Stonebank, the mastering the guy who does a lot of the mastering for um for monster cat and and, and i think Stonebank even said some of the sounds in the drop felt a little dated and um and and and, and that i think it comes down to what you can live with at night because i thought you know dude i'm not the world's best my strength is not in serum web design it's not and I'm trying to fill in that skill set. You got to sort of play to your strengths and I think sort of adapt your weaknesses and learn how to grow in those places to at least fill it in. Um, but I'm not the world's best with that. And I think I just learned, I, look, I, I can sleep at night knowing that the sounds might feel a little dated, maybe not pushing the envelope in those bass webs there, but they get the idea across. And I think the concept was fresh. I think the concept and the way of putting bass and, and trance in this, tune felt fresh and and so i could live with that and i think another interesting thing like point about this whole song is this isn't my tightest mix down it's not my um i don't know it's not my most complex sounding song and it it does might not all have all the ear candy some of my other tracks have but i it, one thing you know you if you're an athlete you work on certain drills to improve certain skill sets and with this one i really was trying to improve the skill set of executing and finishing a song you know because it takes so long to finish songs sometimes that I, I, i'm really trying to improve my ability to finish, you know, and get things done. And so for this one, yeah, it's kind of an exercise in letting go and knowing when, okay, look, 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 this works. This is good. My idea is there. If I spend another month on this thing, it's just going to slow down how I can get other songs out. Let's get this thing, you know, wrapped up here. Love it, man. Love it. I do, I do have a question. If you can go back to iTunes. Sure. Yeah. I want to know what the nine minute version is. It's one oh, underscore wait, wait. four. Oh, what is that? I like left oh, okay. it. I like set the locators wrong. <laughs> yeah, okay. We all go through that. I was wondering uh, if let you me did see. that. I think I have like... Yeah, it just made it louder, but it's the same. And there's one point where I did something like it's doing now, but it's long. There's one was like... There's no room to breathe, you know? It's all about getting just the right, right length on that upbeat note, you know? Like a minute in or something, like a big lead comes in and it sounds yeah. a little vocally to me. Like it's... It, 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 
it doesn't sound like a vocal, but like a vocally lead, if you know what I mean. Are you talking around here, this part? Yeah, yeah that goes back to the main lead. Um, there are some layers in there, but fattened it up. This one sounds a little unpleasant by himself, but this guy fattens him up a lot. He's the, um, he's this like hard square lead I made in Serum. I, I'm sorry, in Silence, I think. I think I just took like a, you know, your little square wave. And I think I put pitch, you know, you can put the real fast LFO on the pitch, kind of get like that sound that Skrillex had in um, Scary Monsters. He sounds pretty weak by himself, but he thickens up. And that's the guy I've been using ever since, like, Ease My Soul and Shatterpoint and, and, and even the Surface to an extent. I've been using it for a long time. But what I really like is, and there's also this kind of Avicii sounding layer. Which is basically just, it's like Nexus. And I think I pulled it up here for a harmony. Yeah. But where it gets really neat, I think what I like a lot more is in the um, the second time it comes around, you get, I added a big harmony. He bends a little bit wonky, but in context. It almost, every time I hear it, it reminds me of like a little whistle in the Titanic, a little like pan <laughs> whistle sound. But it's just a great movie with a great score. So I'll take that as like a self-compliment. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's the idea there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those all go into, um, I actually think, that's when I think I can show you. I think they all still have the LFO on it. Because obviously that whole bus, like LFO's out. And that's just a, a you, you automate up like you automate the rate and also the volume of the actual effect. So so here the effect is actually going here, but you don't hear it because the volume of the actual effect is down. And that was a cool trick I learned from Wooly was um, to actually this like cashmere sweeps. It's just a cashmere sweep, but it's bust in there too. So basically, when it starts, it's dun, 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 dun. you add a little upshifter, a little like riser sound in there, and it kind of like increases the intensity of that sort of unraveling effect because it, it has something that's pushing the the energy in there. So it's one of the sort of magic combination of sounds. I mean, I, I don't know if it's just my ear, but it kind of almost sounds human in, in a weird way, but in, in, individually it doesn't. It's a weird, weird Yeah, way. that's it. I think that's one of the neat, one of the things I try to go for a lot is like a lot of times the sounds themselves can sound all right. But if you've used those sounds, like I've used that lead for years now and I, and, and, and I just know how to work it around and, and make it sort of bounce off things and feel like it's sometimes even saying things it's not. To be honest with you, I think the pads play... The pads help that too. The way it plays off the pads, some of these layers here. Very. To me, that's where most of the magic comes from because without those. You bring it back. It's subtle, but suddenly it's taken you somewhere rather than just 
being notes, you know. In the drop when you do on the response part, you kind of have that that super saw-ish sound. Is that still do you still have like the same sound design techniques as far as super saws as you have with the other episodes that we've done? Like has that changed at all? Yeah, it has changed. Um it's kind of always changing. For that, one thing that I've been doing lately with that, because I am trying to get away from the same old saws here and there. Um, are you talking about on the in the drop, you're saying? Yeah, that's actually a totally different saw than I usually use. When I start talking to the dubstep, the dudes who do dubstep real well, I start to realize like there's all these things I've been sleeping on. Like uh, You guys probably know this currently, the Virtual Riot Serum Pack is like the money. Yeah, so I, so I didn't know this, so I got it. And um, there's this one saw patch called what Biggest Saw Stack, and it's super malleable. You can It's got these macro knobs where you can shape it and do some really neat things with it, and it sounds fat. It doesn't necessarily pull you away and take you somewhere to me like the like some of those silent Anjuna-style pads do. So that's something I'd never done before. There is this guy happening, which honestly doesn't even sound that great either. It's just this kind of like Nexus high thing. And together... It's honestly a little aggressive sounding. It sounds a little harsh and, and harsher than I would usually do it. But I kind of needed to this time around because I couldn't get it to respond to the basses and feel like it wasn't weak unless it was actually a little gritty. And, and I'm sure I could have done it more neatly. I'm, I'm doing more and more with um, using like white noise as the top. So just the very top feels nice and smooth and by itself it sounds super weird. But I think if you get the whole saws. Another different thing is um, I've been trying to really focus on with saws. I really think, I really think uh, you spend, I did, I spent a ton of time trying to make my saws sound as big and strong and fat as they possibly could without realizing that a lot of it kind of came from what your um, mid-bass layers were doing and making sure that those mid-basses uh, that support the saws were really tight. And if those are really tight and dialed in, your saws can just be icing sometimes, you know? And, 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 and a lot of times people ask about saws, but I think a lot of times it's more about what the other things are doing um, and the way you complement the saws. Maybe you add a vocal ambience in there, like Adam was saying even, like, you know, a lead that sounds like a vocal can suddenly sound um, or a lead that even sounds remotely vocal, you can suddenly make all, all the saws sound like they're speaking to you. And like the bass is... Like this guy. Which is this weird layer, but it just kind of does enough to kind of push those saws and make the saws feel like they're kind of moving. I, I noticed you bounce most things to audio, which um, yep. I'm a huge fan of myself. Uh, did I see some stuff was still in MIDI, or is that like a backup? Uh, yeah, pro you probably did. A lot, a lot of times it is backup. Um, like a, a lot of times I'll keep my sub. A lot of times, like in this case, I'll have my sub out as, um, as actual audio by the end. And this one is actually, I told you, this is not the tightest track I've done lately. I've actually been sculpting some of my sub waves to actually, you know, just by fades and things like that. Um, but yeah, I'll leave things as MIDI. A lot of times, for example, say for the sub, if I want to go back in and change a couple notes and I want to just have that MIDI track there. Um, and also the worst thing, I'm sure you guys have run into this plenty of times where you're working on a track and you're, uh, your core, you, you, you want to change out a, a different chord, but your MIDI is gone from that exact instrument. So, so a lot of times I'll save the MIDI or I'll keep it up here in like these bouncers. But yeah, I'll keep, it looks like the pads all became, but yeah, I'll keep them a lot of times to draw from and and um, and, and, and have them to sort of pull from and, 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 and reshape into different things. Uh, another thing that I run into, 
Do you guys ever run into this? I, I have to leave tracks in my groups because if I delete a couple tracks from the group, suddenly this like group thing right here will like collapse on itself. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you guys seen this before? Watch, yeah. watch, 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 watch. All right, say, say I like delete a bunch of these guys. All right, watch, now it's not gonna work now that I try to do it. But say I delete these, right? Watch it, now it's not gonna happen. All right, what, and now if I close this, see that? And, and, and if you do, if I do enough of that, it collapses and you can't even get it open anymore. All right, time to, time to undo it and bring it back. I know, isn't that so weird? I've never seen, that. I've never seen that before. I mean, you, you are running a, a pretty old version of Ableton though. Yeah. Um, you, what are you, like 9.2 or something? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because it was before, I, I, you had the version before they auto-colored the tracks. So that was, oh, I guess, yeah. yeah that was I, like, I recently I recently actually got 10, but I only bought it for, well, I, I only installed it on my laptop, and so I haven't put it on this yet, so I'm sure that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, yeah, I've, even in 9, I've never seen that before, but for sure, yes. like, if you start using 10 more, you should be, right. yeah, you should be good. Yeah, so a lot of times I'll leave my MIDI tracks in there just because I need to leave the track anyway, um, and, and if I really want to clean things up, I'll either just bounce on my stems and start a new project, or I'll just create brand new groups. I'll bounce all my effects out into something and just create a new group for the whole thing and delete the old effects group, you know? But yeah, for, so for the new Ableton, it shouldn't be a problem. But, but to answer the question about the MIDI, yeah, a lot of times I'll keep it in there, but most things typically are audio by the end, yeah. I love little Ableton bugs like that. For those who are watching, if you guys have really unique Ableton bug things that you've noticed, please comment down below. This one time, have you ever um, done the, I'm sure you can do this because you're on an iMac, right? Yeah. I don't know if you can do this on an iMac, but if, I know, I'm sure you can, but I don't know how. But on laptop, if you have your three fingers on the trackpad and you flip up and then all the applications just kind of like go up. So yeah. one time I was doing that and so I had Ableton open and I had a Max for Live device on, on my chain like right down in the left corner, like how you have, like where your audio effect things are right there. Anyways, sure, sure. and so my Ableton went one way and my Max for Live device went the other. And it was a crazy, like it's never happened since. It was the <laughs> coolest thing ever. I love little bugs like that. Uh, sticky clips is one. You guys know the sticky clips? When you when you drag a clip into Ableton, like it's just stuck to your cursor and you move oh. your cursor around. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And you just have to restart the whole program. <laughs> I hate that. It ruins my whole session. I'm like on a roll and I'm going and I'm going and going and then that happens. And I, <laughs> What's the weirdest thing that you've seen, Adam, as far as bugs? I don't think I've had too many bugs. It's true. Apart, apart from Max for Live, just having a complete mind of its own in terms of like the audio it sends out. I, I don't know if it's an inherent problem with Max for Live, but the timing just always seems wrong. Uh, or, or if it's the way people are designing the patches sometimes. Another thing that's kind of neat that I picked up from, from Adam, from Wooly, I, I've worked myself in a corner with this, so I don't know how much I'll keep doing this, but he'll do this thing. Dude, his tracks are so loud, and there's like the loudness for and everything, and I don't know, I like to know that I can get my tracks as loud as I want and then be like, all right, let's, okay, maybe we don't want it that loud. But, you know, that feeling of consistently wanting it to be louder can make you, it can cause you to do some crazy things and that, that'll mess your track up. So having that confidence and knowing you can get there, I think helps a lot. And then you don't always feel, you know, it's like being a guitar player. If you're just trying to learn how to play fast, you're going to spam that all the time. But if you know how to play fast, you're going to only do it when it's proper. So I learned from Adam how to make real loud is he'll take everything. And I think I did it with this one, uh, kick snare. So pretty much everything. It, 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 you have kick snare. And you just have that going on right there. And, and then music, which is everything else. And 
I have a, I have a little bit of mastery. I have Voxango Elephant on there right there that takes everything and just comes on at the drop, if I recall. Yeah, yeah, see, it, it triggers on at the drop. And it takes everything besides... Because when we did Falling, that that track, it gets, it gets more live play than anything I've ever done. And I sent Adam the stems at the end, and he took everything that wasn't kick snare, mastered that, si- and, and, and then mastered his kick snare, sidechained everything to the kick snare and then mastered all that. And I was like, dog, you're going to blow this thing to bits. And he's like, he's like, dude, just let me do my thing. And it sounded, it's, it, it is loud and it is aggressive, but it, it crushes live. And so I, I, it's way louder than anything I've ever made before. And that's essentially what I did here. And, and that's a neat trick to play with. Although you do box yourself into a corner and I don't know if I'll be doing it too much, but, um, but it's kind of a neat trick that, that I hadn't heard of before. Had you guys heard of that before? I've heard people doing it with the kick, but not the kick and the snare too much. The final question I have for you kind of plays off what you were just talking about. You know, you've been collaborating with a bunch of people, you know, you've been on tour with a bunch of people and all that kind of stuff. What are some of the things, like what you just told us about with, with Wooly, what are some of the things that you've learned from these these bigger up people that you're like, what, what's going on? That sounds um, awesome. Um, the, uh, a lot of the coolest things aren't even technical things like that. And a lot of the coolest things are, are more things like, like, you guys ever talked to Jake to kill the noise before? The dude is such uh, uh, the dude is such a such a brilliant creative mind, and he's always thinking about ways to kind of push things forward. And always sort of he's always sort of self analyzing and think and trying to like understand why he thinks about certain things or why he feels certain way or why people feel certain way about things. And um and so go, just playing with him, we're always talking about okay, uh, you know why are certain J- Jake is Jake has been in the game so long and he has such a nuanced perspective on on what uh, allows for longevity you know instead of these people in this rat race that we all feel like we're in a lot of times trying to you know make the next track and make the next track and it's really neat to like talking to him you, you'll look back and okay what has made this artist do so well but now is he alienating his fan base is he, is he alienating his fan base okay what 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 is you know what what's working for this guy what's not working for this guy when i first started playing with jake with kill the noise i started to do Every show I did with him, I threw a lot more bass music than I typically do, a lot of dubstep and stuff like that. And I felt pressured to do it. And and I think if Jake uh, were, were here right now on this conversation, he would he would say, dude, don't feel pressured. Do that. Do your thing. But I was like, dude, these kids are all coming out. They're coming to these like dark, dingy clubs to headbang. And it was a great crash course. I learned how to keep a, a crowd moving and learned how to do that. And it was really neat. And obviously it's impacted my production. And now I have bangers to drop in my sets that are my own, which is, which is great. That further, the narrative of sort of pushing your own envelope and doing your own thing has really been furthered by working with, with Elenium and being a part of his live show. And and with Trevor, with Said the Sky, watching Trevor come to Tampa and and, and and play the Ritz where there's bass music, heavy heavy bass music every weekend, and watching him drop this feelsy set, it changes the narrative and you no longer have this thing where it's like banger to banger. And then when just the slightest bit, as long as it keeps you immersed, when just the slightest bit of something with a little bit of oomph comes in, people start head banging just like they're at a dubstep show. And it's like, it's, it's interesting. You just set a different stage and if you don't feel so pressured to conform to what everybody else is doing, um, I think you can really lay some groundwork and do something unique. Um, and, and Red Rocks was great for that because Red Rocks was, I played the most original music I've ever played in a set. You know, it's probably about 70% my own material and, and that's big for me so far. And it was great. I really felt, I tried to really sort of just roll, like, you know, ride the, the tides of the tunes that I've made and have and I'm making. And, and honestly, that has been some of the most important lessons that, that I've picked up over the last year is to sort of 
um, tell your own story and to, you, you always got to kind of, you always do. I don't know. I do like to think about what's working for a crowd, but you can't get too caught up sometimes in like, are these people like banging their heads? And like, and, you know, like, like, you know, we might not always be right if we think a crowd, a song is popping off or not, you know, we're, I mean, if I'm listening to a song that is like a banger and I think it's super dope. Yeah, sure. I'll be like banging my head or if it's a funk tune, I'm gonna be doing some dance or something. But if it's, if it's something that's like moving my heart and it's changing my life, I'm probably not doing anything with my body because like my emotions are taking over and I'm like, you know, this is incredible. And that, that's kind of been a really neat lesson is, is it from playing these shows and especially doing the Elenium thing and playing Red Ross is like during these people's life changing mo- like moments, a lot of them aren't moving their bodies too much. And you might not think your track's popping off, but if you remember it popping off for you and you were making it, there's a pretty good chance it's popping off for some people, but you have to frame it right. You can't just like, you can't just be doing like banger, 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 banger. Suddenly, okay, here's this lovey song that goes into a big dubstep drop again. We're just bangers all day. You need to, and that's what I love about trance music. And then oh, we're coming right back around. That's what, that's, I haven't even had coffee yet. That's the, that, that's what I love about trance music is it winds you down. And like guys like Jason Ross and above and beyond will do these verses that wind you down. And then they give you this heart stopping moment. And I think that's what I was trying to do a little bit of here in the beginning here, in the beginning of this track. I've been using it as an opener for all these shows that I've just talked about because when the guy before me plays, regardless of what he was doing, I'll fade out whatever he was working on or he'll fade out the last song or something. And as soon as like you just hear this, it just kind of sits there and it's like, oh, okay, who, what's this? This is something different here, you know? You have a much bigger track count than most people do. Uh, do you generally find it quite stressful having all those tracks, like almost like trying to keep organized, or is it almost more comforting having all that stuff that you know you put in there? I like when I get it done to less. This is actually, it's like embarrassing. This is like less for me, actually. I've been working on getting better at it, but having it under 200 feels nice. Um, I try to boil it down a bit, but this one I was trying to just wrap up quicker. I was trying to just get it done. Yeah, it, it is always a little frustrating dealing with all those tracks. But the interesting thing is you usually don't have too many happening at a time. You know, a lot of them have their own purposes. You know, you can kind of see that here. You know, there's there's a lot happening in the beat job. Um, but, but a lot of those, I think, are even just muted clips, too, from when I was, like, trying out different drum sounds and things. No, no. Yeah, but little 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 loops and things like that. But there's never anything crazy, and you know you get the hang of it, especially if you're grouping things properly. Uh, you can go in and say, "All right, okay, let me add my kick snare." Okay, is that moving? All right, you know, and you can go in it, and, and as long as you can go between parts, you know. you can go between your parts. You know, and as long as you can flip between your groups and you're grouping properly, you, I find it's not too much of an undertaking. Like after you feel like you finish the track, do you then go through layer by layer and almost like tidy it up and remix it again or by the time you've finished, you're pretty much done? Yeah, no, no, you're dead on. And actually what I've been doing for a lot of tracks, I didn't do it for this one, is bounce it out to 15 to 25 stems and then just tighten that whole entire mix up in a totally total new project. This guy I didn't do it for. Um, I think some of the complex routing that I was talking about that Wooly got me interested in uh, prevented me from being able to do that properly. So I just kind of stuck 
bit the bullet and just did it here. But yeah, so I did exactly what you're talking about. I'll solo different groups and go, okay, do these sound okay by themselves? You know, and 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 the groups don't need to sound great by themselves, but you don't want like like weird stuff sticking out. You know, and you'll hear stuff that you didn't notice before and go, okay, you can oversight. You can, and so what I'll do a lot of times, I, I don't have it here, but but a lot of times I'll leave uh, up top, I'll leave older versions of the track stacked there so I can hear, okay, am I making progress or am I cutting things out and sucking the life out of it? It's a fine line. The interesting thing about the feedback is that John at Monster Cat, I just talked to him today and he asked me to change a couple things. And I like, and so like I changed it, I haven't even sent him the pre-master. So I may even be able to take some of this into account here. So, so, so yeah, what do you got? The feedback isn't really about the track, but just uh, something you mentioned about loudness in general. I suppose more just to emphasize how for those who may be super super new to loudness that the loudness will only exist on some platforms and then almost exists in reverse on other platforms so on platforms like spotify and not spotify so on, on soundcloud currently and also when you're djing it can still kind of exist to some extent because those platforms don't necessarily loudness match but spotify youtube um, iTunes and even lots of DJs and DJ software currently anyway actually does loudness match so if you make your track louder than it needs to be it's just going to get turned down and then so also about SoundCloud so SoundCloud currently doesn't loudness match but there are rumors that it will do at some stage so it's kind of hard to know how to master your track for SoundCloud because currently it's still better to make it loud they might retroactively almost kind of turn on loudness matching for tracks that have existed in the past at some stage in the future so it's just super hard to figure out how loud to to make your track and and then you've also got things like Beatport on their preview player doesn't loudness match so lots of the top selling tracks on Beatport have been made too loud just so they sell tracks but then that actually makes them worse in general. So whenever you're considering loudness, just try to think about all the different platforms and whether or not they loudness match. Because if they do loudness match, it's actually better to make a track quieter. That's a great point. It's interesting because one of my older tracks, a track called Labyrinth, is probably like my quietest track I've made. And I, dude, I listened to it on Spotify the, uh, last night compared to some of my other tracks. I was checking on the sound design, seeing where we were. And I was like, wait, this is louder than my other tracks are. But it's because they had loudness matched it to, to, to pull that baby up. Yeah, I went loud with this guy specifically because I made this track um, as like a foray into playing live. And I wanted to be able to mix this in between other dubstep tracks. I know that other guys get real quick at making uh, streaming mix downs as well. But, I, but I, I just had so much on my plate at the time that I was just like, let's just get this baby out. So the, I think this guy is destined to get yanked down <laughs> a little bit on Spotify. It is definitely a big trade-off because if, if you want to optimize for playing live, you literally have to make it 6 to 8 dB louder than if you're optimizing purely for streaming. Right. Um, like if you look at all the big dubstep tracks on Spotify, if you actually look at the waveform that comes out when you hit play, it's literally like eight, sometimes even like 10 dB quieter than it needs to be. So all your drums are going to be have eight dB less punch potentially than, than they could do. But you kind of need to make it loud to work with the sound systems to be played live. So and, unless you want to make two or three different versions of your track, you're always going to be compromising. What a lot of people don't understand is that, especially in a lot of new producers, is when they come in, they're like, loud equals better. That's it, period. And then they don't go past that. So what we're talking about here, for those of you listening, is so if you picture Spectrum and through post-editing, I'll put it on the screen. But on the right side, if you have loud and on the other side, you're going to have the opposite of loud in this regard, which is dynamic, right? So the more loud you go, the less dynamics you have and, and vice versa. So what is the benefit of having something dynamic? You know, why don't we just make everything 
look like a sausage waveform? Why isn't everything just like clipped all heck? You know what I mean? And the reason why, at least from my understanding, if you guys want to chime in too, that's totally fine. But from my understanding is that things in the natural world are not limited. There's dynamics everywhere. And so when there's dynamics, this is one of the reasons why dynamics is good. And so when there's dynamics, it feels more natural. Another reason is, you know, call and response, you know, conflict resolution. When something is quiet, it makes room for something that is loud. If something's always loud, there's no room for loud. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. How about, how about in a movie? Um, yeah. If you watch Game of Thrones, which has grown notorious for filming very dark scenes sometimes visually, uh, compositionally, if you're watching a really dark scene and it's dark for a while, they're way north of the wall and all this stuff's going down. And then they cut to this like beautiful shot of, say, the King's Landing and the ocean and it's all bright and everything like that. You, 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 we've all had that feeling we were watching a movie and go, man, that, that, that looks so nice. That contrast was so nice right there. And imagine a movie that's a war movie the entire time. Real bright flashes and guns for an hour and a half. You're yeah. going to go crazy. You need that contrast. Loud is not always good. It can be, but it's not always. Dynamics, they're important. When you export your track, that's not what people are listening to. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff between you hitting export and uploading it somewhere and someone actually hearing it through their ears. So it's counterproductive not to think about what happens after you hit export in in, in between you and the end user. And also to hopefully try and future-proof yourself to some extent as well. And and that's something I wish SoundCloud would talk more about because, I mean, it's been rumored for at least six months I've heard people talking about it, but it still hasn't come about yet. But it affects everything. I mean, like as soon as loudness matching happens, it's yeah, it will completely turn everything upside down in terms of what's best to do for SoundCloud. The the advice I've given you on the last two episodes, you incorporated in this. So, dude, you're sick, dude. I think about things we've talked about. I do, man. I, I absolutely do. Yeah, Good. that's dope then. Thanks. Good. Absolutely. So the workflow thing. So this is something that I struggled with for a really long time and it was incredibly frustrating. And I can see that you're struggling with it too, is bouncing to audio and not having the original patch. It could do kind of what you what you did where you copied it and you and you moved it and muted it so it's just out of the way, but so you still have it. How often though are you using your user library, man? Dude, I actually just started like a month ago, even just for audio, because I always just did iTunes playlists. But the problem, and iTunes playlist is just so intuitive for me. I love how it looks. I honestly prefer iTunes playlists over the user library, except for user library for audio that like shows you your waveforms, which is neat and stuff like that. But um, but iTunes double duplicates every audio file too, which is a which is an organizational mess. And uh, you're talking about using the user library for patches as well. I exactly, take it, yeah. exactly. The reason why and why I never did it in the first place was was because I thought that was going to take up way too much room. But, you know, if you if you had a serum patch on and then you had the yo man after it and then you had your, you know, whatever after that made it super cool and then you made an instrument rack out of that, that's only going to be like 15 kilobytes. Like it's 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 like virtually nothing. You know what I mean? And so you would have to have millions and millions of patches before, you know, the computer's like, hey, by the way, here's a good chunk of space from your patches. You know what I mean? You would have to have so many. So that's what I've been recently doing is is because like there are so many times when I want to go back to patches and I want to change it or I want to alter it in some fashion, but I just freeze and flatten it and it's gone forever. And, and you can't recreate it. You know, there's not, you can sometimes, but not always. So dude, if you use your li- user library, I use mine all the time now and it's insanely powerful. Yeah, <laughs> I've been I've been getting better at and 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 I've started like you can see. Are you telling me does instrument rack count as user library or no? 
So your user library is if you go down to your places. Yeah, this this guy here. And then, yeah, so if you save custom instrument racks, it'll go to your user library. Yeah, so I have a good bit. Yeah, and I have like, I have actually that lead there and I have the intro pluck and stuff like that. Good. And I have, um, yeah, 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 yeah. I got to get better with that. I definitely do, yeah. Even with the songs that you just have audio with, you can go in and chop them up, make a little sample pack out of it and then put it in your user library so you can use them later. Oh, so powerful. So I do, I'll do that in iTunes. I'll, I'll, a lot of times I'll even stem balance out my tracks um, mm. and I'll just save the little dope little sounds that I like yeah. from it and keep it in there for sure. Totally. And then I can go, oh yeah, dude, like if I go to like here, if I go to, and, and I just save it under bounces, if I go to like, you see all these bounces these are all different tracks these are different parts of it the problem is they're all doubled up because they're in itunes so i gotta go and clean that up pretty soon oh that's still really cool though all right and then the sound design one talked about this on the last episode of in the dog but what we've been doing lately is we've been filming this course i talked to you about this sam with au5 and he brought a lot of sound design knowledge to the table of how to get some crazy thing multi-band processing dude yeah have you you done much with that I have. I've actually tried my hand at it a, a, a bunch of times and I've never gotten great at it. Um, and I actually purchased FabFilter Pro MB so I could work with that. But I know people have also split up into different and then process that part. What do you got in mind? Hit me. That's, what what I'm, ta- that's what I'm talking about right now. So I saw a lot of um, OTT on. So how we're going to do this, we're going to do this right now so you can see. All right, it. All right, let's go. Grab a sound, any sound you want. It could be literally anything. You got a sound of you making pancakes? Grab it. I don't care. Right, we're we're going to take... Can we use that guy? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so what you can do now, so make sure it's all sold out, and then what you're going to do is you're going to go grab a, um, a multiband dynamics. What you can do is you can go down to that multiband dynamics and you're going you're gonna to put it in a group, so Command-G, perfect. And then, and then you're going to go over to the chains, and then you're going to duplicate the chain twice. Cool, so yeah, the top chain, you can... Leave it or you can rename it high, mid, low, you know, like all that oh, kind of stuff. Oh, I've, I've seen this. Dope. So now you're going to go to the high band. Actually, so you say, yeah, you click on that and then you go into the multiband dynamics and then you solo. It'll be on the left. You see where it says high? Yeah, okay, so am I going to go like this? Let me guess. Yeah. There. Uh-huh. There. There it is. There. Exactly. So now okay. what we can do is now on each one of those bands, on the high, the mid, and the low, you can... Just go freaking crazy and do whatever you want. So on the high band, let's say that you have a yo man on there or 14 yo man. Oh, I, I can add different effects. Yes. Oh. Hang on. Hang this on, is hang where on, stuff gets freaking hang crazy. Hang on. All right. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. It's really cool for stuff like delays, I find, to like just like delay with like one of the bands. So if I want to just put a yo man on the high, it might sound yep. a little weird, but let's give it a shot. What? That's sick. Go ahead and play with it. Play with, play with the modulation part. Hang on. What? <laughs> Wait. I mean, that's a little weird, but... <laughs> Still. Wait, so like... What if I wanted to do like this? Would this be weird? Nothing is weird. Oh, but here that brightens that up. Yeah. So now check this out. Now on the mid band, go grab a corpus and throw it on. Corpus on the mid? Can I leave a bit warmer up top there? Yeah, absolutely. Leave everything leave on top. That's like yeah. a resonator thing, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, it has to go. There you go. Right there. What we'll do once that loads up, we're going to switch it um, where it says beam. Go ahead and go down to pipe, right? And then the tune. Go ahead and 
Put it down to like 44 or something, right? Let's try it out. Let's see what happens. What? Stop. Stop, 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 stop. Hang on. <laughs> and then obviously you would want to go to, hang on, hang yeah. on. And then I'm done, then I'm done, then I'm done. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it would be what, a B flat or an A sharp. Come on, dude. That's nasty. No, no. We only scratched the surface with this. And of course, in the course, we go even more in depth. But I mean, like for, for sound design purposes, no, you were talking about serum. Serum is only the beginning. What you can do with this, this, you know, you create a serum sound, make it sound cool. And then you throw this on it and you process each band individually and it's automating and it's changing. Oh, bro. Have we lived up to you having a good time on In The Daw? Oh, you guys always do. Come on, man. I, I try I try to play cool and like actually like, I don't want to do these too often but I, I love <laughs> you know what I'm saying yeah you are you are you play hard to get but <laughs> I like the chase um. I just want to remind everyone about the special offer that East West has going on right now about their Composer Cloud X. This thing is incredible. You get over 10,000 instruments for $25 a month. These libraries have been used in basically every single movie that's ever been created. It's amazing. The quality is through the roof. It's literally the greatest in the entire world. East West has been around forever. So if you want 10,000 virtual instruments everything from vocals to brass to pianos to everything in between go ahead check this out there's a link in the description it'll activate the DAW bot and tell you everything you want to know but other than that thank you so much for watching this episode of in the DAW, and we'll see you next week